Welcome to Spark, careers in agribusiness, where we meet the most accomplished leaders in agribusiness today. Learn how each of the women and men featured has built leadership into their life's work and what advice they have for young people just beginning their careers. Your host for Spark is Sarah Stever, president at Paulson. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Spark. In this episode, we're going to be visiting with Jeanette Lombardo, and Jeanette is the co-founder of Global Water Innovations, the immediate past president for California Women for Agriculture, president of American Agri Women, president and a principal of California Food and Agribusiness Advocates, and finally, a single mother of two. And as you can tell, Jeanette is a very, very busy woman. And we will be bringing kind of a West Coast agriculture perspective, which will be unique to any of the podcasts we've done. So this is a very exciting time to be talking to you, Jeanette, and, and thanks for being on the show. Thank you. Thank you. Actually, I've uh, lived throughout the country, so you'll get perspective from everywhere. Even better. That's even better. So maybe you can start out by telling us some information about all of those organizations that you're involved in and a little bit about what a day is like for you. Well, actually, um, let me start a little bit about my history so people know where I come from and why the heck I landed where I did. I grew up in Wiesbaden, Germany. I was actually born there. My dad was in the Air Force. And then when we came home, home was Erie, Pennsylvania, and our family, dairy farm and, and potatoes. I went to Edinburgh University in Pennsylvania, got married, moved to California, then to Tennessee, New York, New Mexico, Michigan. Colorado, and then to California. Where I grew up in Erie, Pennsylvania, it was sort of an Amish community. And I think what you're doing with the show is extremely important because we did not have career development. We maybe had a test that the counselors gave us where we could figure out what our aptitude was and what field we could go into. It was pretty traditional roles teachers, nurses, clerical. And I went off on the edge and went into business management and, and marketing and ended up with a 24-year banking career in agricultural finance. And why I was doing that, I got involved in our local California Women for Agriculture chapter here in Ventura County, and I decided to learn about water. I didn't know that much about water, but it seemed a pretty hot topic for my farmers, and so I became the task force director for our local chapter. And one day at a chapter meeting, I was sitting there giving uh, my presentation, and unbeknownst to me in the audience was the appointment secretary for Governor Schwarzenegger. And she said to me after the meeting, would you consider an appointment to the LA Regional Water Quality Control Board. I can honestly say this now, before I fully comprehended what that meant, I said yes. <laughs> and How do you say no to that? I know. The next thing that I knew, I'm being vetted by the Attorney General's office, uh, having my tax returns uh, reviewed because one of the conditions is that no more than 10% of your income could come from anyone who holds a discharge permit. I sat on the water board. It was over water quality for L.A. County and Ventura County, and it was an incredible experience. I continued with California Women for Agriculture and became uh, chapter president, district director. I was elected to the executive board and eventually became president. And now I'm immediate past president. And last year I had the opportunity to take my uh, advocacy work uh, that I love and 
take a nap from a started at the chapter level locally, and then it went statewide, and then now I'm national as national president for American Ag Women. During this journey, I was also a banker, but one day there came a, a time when uh, I had a client who was a dairyman in uh, Pastelia, which is a, a little town out here, and he actually had a lot of financial stress because that was at a time when the markets were not very good and, and everything was going upside down. It was in 2008, and he um, actually committed suicide and left seven kids behind. Oh, my word. Yeah, and that's why um, right now one of my platforms for American Anchor Women is Farmer Stress. That was the pivotal point where I said, I don't want to be a banker anymore. I want to quit doing this advocacy work as a hobby, and I want to start California Food and Agribusiness Advocate and help my farmers with regulatory issues and, and compliance. And no matter how broad I expanded my scope, which was basically five areas, water, by trade, biotechnology, everything kept coming back to water. So we have a severe water issue out here, as I'm sure people are aware of with our drought. And I was really struggling to help my farmers that I love keep farming. And so I decided to start Global Water. And Global Water is basically a project implementation company. We reach out across the United States and globally and try to find uh, solutions and help commercialize them and fund them and really help solve some of, uh, some of the water issues that we have here in California. So that's it. <laughs> that's it. Oh, just that. Okay. <laughs> Wow. Well, that is a, a massive undertaking, just not only the journey, but everything that you've just stepped up and done, even though seemingly, I don't know how you have enough hours in the day to accomplish what you've done. So can you look back at your either your childhood or your early life and kind of talk about how that prepared you for what you've done? I'm not going to lie to you. I was one of those hyperactive children whose parents refused to put them on ADD medication. <laughs> Um, my parents believed they could, um, tire me out. And so I was the girl who got up at, you know, in the morning and did chores, went to school all day, came home and did chores and did my homework till nine. And the only thing it did is I'm still hyperactive, even now at my fifties, but I just became very well organized and I'm very good multitasker. Um, but no, it was it was a hard work ethic. I think when moving throughout the country enables me to have conversations with a variety of different types of people, and it it helps me uh, with my advocacy work with conflict, as far as to be able to reach over to the other side and find some common ground uh, when we're working on policy. Uh, or regulatory issues. Where I grew up, didn't have TV uh, because it, well, I'm not Amish or, or Mennonite. Uh, when you have a lot of those folks in your community, the cable companies don't come out and install cable. So uh, I read a lot and became a super geek, and um, and that has worked out very well for me. So some of that moving around that you talked about was kind of earlier in your life. That wasn't you know, that was why you were growing up part of it? The moving actually was during my 20s and 30s. I quit moving um, in, in my 40s. I've been in Ventura since 2006, okay. and this is the longest time I've lived in any one place. Okay. Of all those transitions that you've had, can you talk about any one of those that was maybe kind of a pivotal event for you? You talked about the dairyman suicide, you know, drove yeah. you out of the finance world and into more advocacy, but were there any other events earlier on in your your career that had you change course? I left 
farm, you know, I went to school, I came out and I put on the suit and the pantyhose and the stilettos and I, I was a corporate banker. So I dealt with very large clients. So like their minimum sales had to be 10 million. My minimum loan was a million dollars with large corporate farms that I dealt with, but I wasn't happy. And I was trying to figure out how to be happy. I met a life coach, believe it or not, at a function I went to. I never actually employed him, but we, we chatted at this one function. And he said to me, just be yourself. You know, who are you? Know who you are and just be authentic. Then I, I realized that the people that I wanted to be surrounded with were the people from rural America. They were the people that I loved. They were my family. And that is one of the reasons that led me to agriculture. And you know, even when I was in banking, I was a commercial banker. You know, first, you know, a business banker, then a commercial banker, then a corporate banker. But when I was a commercial banker, I wanted to go into ag lending. And everyone's like, no, 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 don't do that. Don't pigeonhole yourself. Be open. Cover everything. At first, I almost didn't do it, but I listened to my, myself and I said, no, you know, and then once you get into agricultural lending, you realize there was a lot of areas like specializing in dairy or financing you see in the Midwest with your soybeans and your wheat and the specialty crops. So it really is a very diverse world within itself. So I'm, I'm glad that I believed in myself. That is a, such a true statement, I think. And I'm, I was glad to have actually your perspective here on what kind of crops you were talking about along the lines of the specialty ones. Ag is very broad, so you that was the right decision. And I think that was actually really yeah. good advice that he gave you to understand yourself um, and, and then make your own decision. That's awesome advice. Oh, what was so funny is when I was growing up on the farm, right? When I just wanted to get off the farm. I wanted to be in the big city, right? But then when I got to the big city, I realized it didn't make me happy. So when I went to, so I tried to work where I was back into what made me comfortable, and, and that made me happy. Sometimes you got to learn the lesson yourself. That's for sure. Yeah. Can you talk about any uh, obstacles that you've overcome and kind of how you went about doing that? There's a lot of obstacles. Um, banking and agriculture, there's very few women at the table. Uh, I will tell you, setting ag policy, there's even fewer. There's many times I'm the only woman in the room. I have learned to sometimes have to do things better than everyone else in the room because I don't want to make mistakes. And that's good. That's kept me sharp. You know, to be honest, the other thing has been being a single mom. I have two daughters. You know, I, I lived in California. My closest family was in Pennsylvania and Virginia. And my jobs required me to travel. And I have no relatives out here. So, you know, how do you overcome that when you have kids that are in elementary school and high school? How did you overcome I, it was through my church. It was so funny that I say my church and, and my friends and, and that I met. And, you know, but I had only moved here in 2006 and they were still young then. My whole being is very cemented in my faith. And I found the people that have been my soulmates, my friends in my church community, and they helped me to get through that obstacle. Uh, as well as my California Women for Agriculture friends. And, and we just you just take one day at a time, one week at a time, and you get over it. And the next thing you know, they're old enough to take care of themselves. The next thing you know, they're off to college and uh, living in New York City, and in my case, Washington State as well. So it's, it's all worked out well, but going through it was not easy, and you just had to be creative. I like your answer for that and that you, you, know, you found your community in a couple of different places yeah. to support you. Throughout all these journeys and, and challenges that you've had, have you ever had time to mentor anyone? Have you ever had that experience? I have. I've been mentored 
first of all, by some very important men in the industry who saw my potential and encouraged me and in some cases financially supported me to attend meetings and I'm forever in their debt. They didn't have to do that. But now they see the rewards of that because as president for CWA and as president for American AgriWomen, I get to help mentor and create advocates for the industry. It just keeps playing on and on, right? I'm hoping that I'm making an impact in that regard. And I, and I do help fill young graduates out of college wanting to start their own business because they live in places where jobs might be difficult to find that is in line with what they want to do. And so they have to create their own space and they're scared to do that. And when it comes time to write the proposal for the first client or figure out how much to charge for the first invoice, they need someone to hold their hand and walk them through that. And I'm more than glad to do that and to celebrate their successes with them. That financial component, I think, is one piece that not a lot of people get out of college with in place. I mean, your, your whole background was in that, but I think a lot of kids come out of various ag degrees, and they just don't have any sort of the business background. So that's got to be tremendously helpful that you've been able to add that to those students. Well, thanks. And it's very rewarding to mentor someone, too, that are starting their own companies that compete with mine. And that's fine. There's plenty of work to do out there. And I just wish them all the best of luck. I think as women, especially, we have to lift each other up and encourage as we go through the different phases of our life, through young adults, of being mothers, uh, transitioning from one field to the next, I think that's very important. You are absolutely right. So let's talk about some advice that you have either given the mentored or um, just advice for our young audience. Pray. Pray to find your purpose and what God's plan is for you in your life. But then believe in yourself and don't put any limitations. I think people are the biggest roadblocks to their own sometimes. You can do anything. There's no limit. You can't do a piece of a job. You can always hire a consultant or find someone else that can help you. Got to trust your gut. Because women, we naturally have within us instincts just for taking care of our children, right? Knowing when something's wrong and being protective with them. And we have to enhance that and and listen to ourselves. We know when something's wrong. We know when something's right. Dream big and, and follow your dreams. When I was in banking and I was sitting on the waterboard, I was creating a credential that could be used later on down the road to start Global Water. You know where you're going, but you can't just get there immediately. You have to take your baby steps along the way in the journey. And at first, it might start off as a hobby, like being a member of California Women for Agriculture or American Agri-Women and learning the ropes and making the network and the connections. And then you transition. And during that time, you find out what you're made of. For me, that was just perseverance and grit. I found a part of me I didn't even know I had. Really, the most important thing is to to love what you, you do, it's not work, and, and, and to find balance in your life. Even though I do a lot of different things, and every day is different, I wouldn't want it any other way. That's how I like to live my life, and that would probably drive other people crazy. So it's like find your own balance that works for you, and it's not balanced day-to-day, like with your family, you know, family and work. It's over a period of time, and that's been one of the lessons I've learned in my life. I like that idea of looking at it over over a longer period of time. That's a great way to think about it. And I love your idea about building up credentials as you go. That's, I think, a really important thing for people starting out to think about. You may not be able to accomplish it all, you know, right out of the chute, but 
you can take little steps that will get you there and, and get you those credentials. That's a great way to think about it. Service in these organizations is extremely important because it not only helps you with your professional development, it helps you with your personal development. And I tell the ladies I talk to, when you do your advocacy journey, I mean, you don't just wake up one day and go speak, you know, in D.C. at a hearing on the farm bill. It starts writing a letter to your editor, going to your local board of supervisors, and speaking at the podium in three minutes or less. It's going to your capital and your state and talking with your legislators. It's constantly pushing yourself outside of your own box to try something new. And that is just uh, makes what makes life exciting is trying something new. And, and sometimes you get scared. We get people who come to D.C. the size, you know, they they grew up in a small little town in the middle of nowhere. And they're like, oh, my God, logistically, how do I get around the, you know, Uber, the taxi, what building I'm going to get lost. But we have people there that have been doing this for years and they help them. And after they do it once, they're hooked and they have to come back year after year because it's an educational experience. That's how we have to look at everything we do in our life. It's a progression. Yeah, it is. It's some cases a long one. Sometimes we have to, we have to do it over and over again. <laughs> Repeating myself a little. Yep, sometimes it takes a bit to get it right, that's for sure. Jeanette, when you've, you know, you are so accomplished and you're involved in so many things, but when you've decided to wrap things up, what do you hope people will say about you when they look back at what you've done? I think the most important thing to me is to know that I raised good kids. I think the second thing would be everything I've done is trying to keep farmers farming to feed God's people because I felt that that was God's calling in my life. And I, I fought hard and I continue to fight and I and I will the day I die. There's no retiring from this when it's your passion. The other thing I would say is when my water company, we do clean up of contaminants and some of them are nasty contaminants that harm people and cause miscarriages and, you know, they're in rural disadvantaged communities and a lot of it's natural reoccurring. They're from multiple point sources. And I'm very proud of that work. But also I would have to say my platform right now, I mean, the journey I'm starting right now with farm stress, I, I would like people to have it to be okay to talk about the, the mental impacts that happen with all the pressures and things that are out of farmers' control from the, the weather to the market. And for that to transition to it being an okay conversation to have. If I can keep farmers farming, if I can save farmers from committing suicide, which is actually three times the rate of veterans for oh. our class, the farmers is higher than anywhere else. If I look back at my life, those are the four things I think I would be proud if I could do them all well. I would be proud for people to remember me by. <laughs> or they know what to say. I'm so shocked by that statistic. And I guess so, you know, doubly grateful that you're willing to bring those conversations out. Those are tough conversations. They're really hard conversations yeah, to have. Yeah, they are tough conversations. And I started to have them internally within American Anger Women at our mid-year meeting in St. Louis in March. And I was so proud of our women who supported me because it, 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 you don't want to, no one wants to be the Debbie Downer in the room. But at the same time, women are the fabric and the background of our community. And we can't ignore what's happening. We saw with the crash in the 80s, for every farm foreclosure, it was like reading the obituary. 
because they would lose the farm and they would kill themselves. I think we have 52 affiliates across the country. We have over 50,000 women in our organization with American Agri Women, and we can be like tentacles going across this country, filling a gap that isn't being taken care of right now because there has not been funding put into the Farm Bill, and allowing people to get information out as far as where there are resources, because let's be honest, it's hard to find doctors in rural America that alone mental health doctors. It's going to be the women that are going to lead this cause, and I am happy to be the catalyst to make that happen. I'm not scared to have the conversation, and I'm hoping by me not being scared, other people will also be able to bridge that discussion. That's amazing that you're willing to tackle that. I, I feel like it's because it's farming, it's something other than just any type of business because farms are multi-generational, and, and there's just so many other components to it that I think make it just so tough right now? Well, it is hard because, you know, my, my sister, Veronica, is back in Pennsylvania running up a family dairy. And in what's happening in Pennsylvania is happening a lot in the dairy industry is some of the co-ops aren't taking their milk anymore. They're dropping them. And because there's too much milk in the system, there's no place to go. And what happened out here in California, you know, you have milk prices go down and feed prices go up and you have a 10,000 head herd of cows as a a person, you're responsible for the husbandry of these animals. The pressure is just intense, let alone if it's a multi-generational family and it's been in your family for years. You don't want to be the one that loses it. There's a lot of pressure, and there's a lot of pressure even now with harvesting of planting. Some parts of the country are months behind. When you only have 90 to 120 days of good weather a year, how do you how do you get your crops in and out, and there's just constant pressures with agriculture. We've got to get the folks involved in it that are feeling the pressure, talking about it, and getting to the resources to help mitigate it. Amen. That's, that's, you're exactly right. That's going to be quite a mission. I think you have the energy to do it, Jeanette. Oh, I'm encouraged. <laughs> well, I don't, I'm going to try. I mean, I, you know, that's all I can do is try. Well, I, I loved your line about there's no retiring when it's your passion, because it, I know we can all hear your passion come through in your voice for this subject. I'm, I'm glad you're working on it. Shoulder to the wheel, for sure. Thank you. I appreciate what you're doing here. As I said before we started this interview, you know, I was one of those little girls out there that had no direction. I didn't have parents. My father went to college when I went to college. My mother was a teacher. My guidance counselor at school told me, not to waste my parents' money and go to college because my grades weren't good enough. It's hard to find your way. There's Luckily today, there's more career fairs and stuff happening. But if you weren't doing these interviews, these young ladies wouldn't know the possibilities that are out there. It's okay to have failures, and it's okay to have setbacks, and it's okay to try again. You don't necessarily get it right the first time. And that's what I tell my own daughters. If you go to school for four years and you get out in the work field and that's not what you want to do, that's okay. That's what adults do. We change our minds, you know, and, and just giving them permission to just find their way and their purpose and their happiness. Well said, Jeanette. That's, I think, a wonderful way to wrap up our, our advice for our young audience. And I am so glad that you took the time today to, to talk to us about what you're involved in. I'm just, I'm so impressed. I just really am grateful you're out there doing the work you're doing. And so I feel so lucky to have gotten a chance to meet you, and I hope to get a chance to actually see you out at 
some of your events. So thank you for taking this time. We have convention in November in Springfield, Illinois, and I hope you'll join us. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> like that invitation. So that wraps up this episode of Spark. And Jeanette, again, I can't thank you enough for your time and your passion for what you do and for sharing that with our audience and just giving them some great advice um, all throughout the podcast. I really, really appreciate it, and I hope everyone will join us for our next episode. That's Spark for today. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll tune in for the next episode. To learn more about Paulson, please visit paulson.ag. That's P-A-U-L-S-E-N dot A-G.